Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so excited today to be joined by the wonderful Keenan Thompson to talk all about his sitcom Keenan, as well as his work on SNL. And starting with your sitcom, you know, when you initially were conceptualizing it, the pilot originally was going to take place starting you know, at the funeral, at the loss of his wife. And, and part of the development process was realizing that that didn't allow for enough of a space of comedy, that it was kind of living a little bit too much in the grief. And so it stepped a whole year away from, from that moment. And what's really beautiful in going into season two is getting to watch that continued journey for Keenan as he's really kind of learning to come into his own as a single parent, but also what that means in terms of becoming more comfortable co-parenting with the dynamic he has with his brother and with Rick as well. Um, and so I was interested in the space that you really uniquely wanted to explore and kind of the evolution you wanted him to have had as a character since season one in that regard. Wow. You really watched the show. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you so very much. I mean, you, you really just like recapped the last almost three years of my life, basically, you know, just exploring what this show is going to be. How is it going to be special? How is it going to be different? Um, when I originally created it with Jackie Clark, we both had similar ideas of exploring like a widowed father kind of situation uh, because we both felt like we hadn't seen that on television necessarily a lot. You know, coincidentally, there's several widows on TV now, but at the time, you know, it was something that hadn't really been touched on a whole lot. And also like, um, you know, a mixed blended family kind of situation as well. Um, so we were pretty much on the same page. And yeah, we did the pilot and it was, you know, a little too, you know, grief stricken. So, you know, thanks to NBC, they gave us time to restructure and recast and do stuff like that. And we were able to bring in Chris and Don Johnson and stuff like that and, you know, go forward with a new, you know, season one approach. And that one was much more on target because, you know, it's much more familiar with me as what people know me as more of an entertainer, more of a bigger energy, not necessarily a real estate salesman. You know what I mean? So that those little pivots, you know, I think brought us to where we are now, which is a, a very good, you know, solid idea and a solid foundation for a lot of great, you know, character actors and, and performers to, to go to work on it. And I think that's what we really started to see in season two. You know, the fact that, you know, this is a cast of 10-ish people that are like all hitting on a very high level, you know, comedically as well as emotionally and you know, it just has all the depth opportunity in the world as well as all the funny opportunity because it's chock full of comedians and they're all hitting their stride. And, you know, it's just, you know, uh, a beautiful thing to see, especially when, you know, there is so much mystery in the beginning. You don't know what it's going to be. You don't know who's going to wind up in the cast. You know, you don't know if you're going to get past the pilot even, you know. So, yeah, it, I think season two was really, really enjoyable to watch. And I think, um, even if you start there and go back to season one, you won't be confused because the, the tone has been set pretty solid and the foundation was laid season one. So you, you get it. You know what I mean? You know what the worlds are that we're playing in and you know the characters. So, yeah, I just, you know, I'm hoping and praying that we continue. Yeah. And, and visually and stylistically, you know, the, sh the show is a single cam format. Did you ever kind of weigh up the, the pros and cons of multicam versus single cam or what was really important to you stylistically in terms of how you approached making the show as well? Well, I don't think it gets more stylish than a single camera, you know what I mean? Because then you're bringing in DPs and like serious lighting and, you know, opportunities to go outside and make that, you know, outside connectivity, you know, to a sitcom, basically like the outside on that show looks like actual outside. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's nice. 
Um, as far as did we weigh the pros and cons of single cam versus multicam? Yeah, multicam is like the sweet life. You know what I mean? You can get down to probably like three day weeks if you really know what you're doing. So yeah, that 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 is like the sweetest existence there has ever been is the star of a multicam sitcom. Like the Friends cast, Seinfeld, you know, like King of Queens, you name it. That is a, a sweet existence because, you know, it, it doesn't take much and you're dealing with very professional people that are ready to do a live show at any given moment. So you need to rehearse and then rehearse for the tech people and then it's showtime, you know what I mean? And that's your week. However, gone kind of are the days at the moment of the multicam on NBC and we didn't want to be like the one show that, you know, did it like that because I'm, we were, you know, kind of, I, I, I'm not saying that we were treading on like, you know, delicate sands or anything like that, but we are exploring, you know, things that aren't necessarily like right up the middle. You know what I mean? We're, we're dealing with, you know, a, a blended approach. We're dealing with the widowship, you know, and we're trying to make all these things make sense. And we're, you know, second chance in it as well. So we just, you know, we thought it might be more of a fitting grasp for the audience not to have to think too much about, you know, do I like this one show that's trying to be so different or whatever in so many different ways, basically. So, yeah, we wanted to fit the mold a little more of like what the network looks like now. Right. And, and as you were just saying, the show really is kind of this pendulum between, you know, pure comedy, between like much more, you know, emotionally heartfelt moments for characters where they're going through certain things. And, and a lot of that comes in the space in the middle. But, you know, when you're going to those slightly deeper places emotionally for the characters, I was interested in, in how you all work to kind of find where that's going to work within the format of the show and, and where it's OK to kind of take it there and then how you bring it back out of that. You know, one of the moments that that I thought was a really beautiful scene in this series was Chris Red's character, Rick, go, Chris Red's character going through, you know, his mother, their mother selling their house that they grew up in. And he has this moment where he just suddenly realizes his life isn't where he wanted it to be at this point. Um, and so he's grieving, not just for the loss of the house, but kind of everything that he had planned for himself in life up until that point. And that was a really poignant moment of connectivity. And so how do you find those scenes where a moment like that's really going to work? And then how do you find the road back out of it towards the comedy? I mean, I, I have to give our writers credit, you know, um, Lisa and Kenny came in, you know, real strong this season. You know, it's, I know it's hard to come into an already existing show and kind of like, you know, get into the groove under the gun of a schedule to get, you know, all these episodes done and all that pressure and stuff like that. But they really came in um, and, and, you know, fit in very, you know, pretty immediately, you know, like we were happy to have them there to help us, you know, find whatever tone we were trying to set for the show and make sure it appealed to, you know, who it's supposed to appeal to so it can appeal to everybody. You know, it's hard to do a Black show without a Black audience. You know what I mean? It has to be able to, you know, go hand in hand. Like, you know, if you're not, you know, a Black person and you're like, well, why aren't they laughing at the show that's for them? You know what I mean? It's harder for it to make sense for you, I think. You know, it's just one of those kind of, you know, ABCs of like, who is this show really for? And when everybody can see that, Yes, it's for black people, but it's for everybody. You know, you can't have like black people ignoring it. You know what I mean? So we have to find the comedic tones to be able to speak to our audience as well. Um, and then I think that gives the show the validity for everybody else. Um, but yeah, between them and, and Casp, our showrunner, David Casp, you know, they were, you know, 
very meticulous about crafting what that episode was going to be about. I mean, it was Kenny's vision. Um, Kenny Smith and Lisa Muse Bryant. Let me get their names fully out there. Um, but yeah, they they really came in with a whole lot of brilliance this season to kind of help us with, you know, the the little things, the the sudden little like references or ad libs that are much more down the zeitgeist of, you know, people that look like us. Um, and then, you know, you can you can see that we're not trying too hard to to just like put in unnatural references or anything like that, like just bring it into a real place of reality. Um, so that episode is a, a, a big example of that. And yeah, it's great. We I was just talking about this. Like it, it was, it was great to see Chris, you know, have those moments of like deepness and give him, you know, like almost like a full A kind of story episode. Cause you know, I'm in all of it basically, but it's nice when, we can focus time on the other characters and get deep with them. And, you know, he would be the first in line basically because he's my brother. So it's like, what is he all about other than coming in and, and quipping and stuff like that? So yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely one of my favorite episodes we've done. Um, it was the last, you know, uh, the last scenes we did for the season were in the house. You know what I mean? So it was a, it was a, it was a long touching day. Um, but it was it was deep and, and awesome at the same time. And when I saw the episode, I was just like, yeah, that is a solid episode of television. You know, like that's as solid as anything I've ever seen. It really is. And and in regards to the comedy as well, there's a lot of times in, in sitcoms where characters will say or do something funny and, and none of the other characters are acknowledging or responding to it. The dialogue just keeps going. Yeah. And with Keenan, it's not only that the characters find each other entertaining and find them funny, but you also have Keenan as a character finds himself hilarious. And so that adds another layer to it. Like when two characters are hugging on a tennis court and he's like, oh, love. And then he's like, oh, like tennis, you know, and then he's chuckling yeah. away to himself. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of when did you realize that you could kind of take the comedy that step further and in, in not just acknowledging the comedy within each of the characters, but also within Keenan himself as a character? I'm glad that you see that as funny. I always kind of tell jokes that don't land and I laugh at them like they did. <laughs> a lot of things are a lot funnier to me, um, but that's a lot of the, uh, you know, uh, the the hard work of comedy is trying to make what you think funny match with what everybody else thinks is funny you know what I mean so what you think is funny um but yeah I'm, I mean I'm glad those things are you know kind of being discovered by by viewers you know we just leave those little breadcrumbs and you know those are the kinds of things there's like this is you know what we think is funny so hopefully you're catching on to what we're doing you know and everything else kind of you know, comes along with that little ad lib moments or, you know, little toss ins or reactions or something that wasn't necessarily written. It'll just be, you know, a natural reaction that fits because we are so in the groove with our characters and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's an, it, it was a very, very, very like fun season last season. And one of the things as well with Keenan as a character is that he's always someone who's trying to create control in a world of chaos. You know, we see that through the, his hesitancy to introduce his girlfriend to his family because he's kind of aware that there's always that uncontrollable element. Um, and 
And there's so many different ways that you kind of play to like those tensions and anxieties that he's always holding on to because there's a difference if it's something happening at work, he's hosting a segment and it's going off the rails and he's trying to regain control over it, you know, or his daughters are doing something or Rick's encouraging them to do something. Um, and so how do you kind of find those different tensions and anxieties of the way that he's always trying to create control and order, but that never exists within his world? Yeah, I think that's my like character's journey. Like we when we try to figure out like, you know, how is my character going to be different from, you know, Martin or Jamie Foxx or, you know, the Wayans brothers, you know what I mean? Like what show are we making? Like, I know it's about me and, you know, I've been on TV and everybody knows, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they know my name and we're using that. But like, what is this character specifically that we're building and what's funny about it? And a lot of the things that tickle me is someone who is spiraling out of control and continues to dig himself deeper um, that always makes me laugh. And, you know, I guess I've been able to convince the writers to give me more and more rants to do, you know, and that that helps kind of establish that that's my character's thing. You know, he tries to control the uncontrollable. And you were talking before about the supporting cast and, and loving those moments where they really get an opportunity to shine. And it feels like that's something that you're always very conscious of in terms of the way that you work on SNL, whether it's other castmates, people coming in for a sketch, someone who's coming in to host, but also with this show. And, and the second season really allows a lot more storylines for the supporting cast to be even more developed. What are what are kind of the ways when you're working on a scene on this on the sitcom where you really feel like you're there kind of helping someone else to set up a joke and making sure that it's directing towards them when they're a little bit more of, of the A plot line in that particular scene or moment. A lot of those moments happen in the workplace, you know, because that's where kind of all the adult comics are. Like Don is great, you know, but Don's an actor, you know what I mean? Like he's not a stand-up comic, even though he did it in a past life. He's had so many lives. He's the best. Um, but that's not his role. You know what I mean? His role is to kind of come with like quips here and there and he's hilarious off camera, but when you're a viewer, you're looking at him as, you know, a, a dad character. You're not looking at him as like, oh, everything he says should be comedy necessarily. He should have, you know, depth and issues that he's going through as well. But in the workplace, it's like, oh, well, these people should just be here for comedy's sake. You know what I mean? And that's kind of exactly, you know, what happens usually when we have those roundtables or conference room kind of scenes. Like everybody is setting up the next person to score. You know what I mean? And that's when I felt like I was comfortable with the show um, because that's, that's what makes it a whole show. When it's, when I'm off camera and the show is still solid, then that's my go-to show. Me as a, as an audience member, I'm like, yeah, I want to put that on because I want to enjoy, you know, the obvious Keenan or whatever, but Chris is in it. He's great. Don is in it. The girls are great. You know, um, Kimry's incredible, you know, fortune and like, you know, Taylor is amazing. And, my man, Phil, I just, the, the whole grouping together, you know, everybody's going to be giving towards the goal of being funny. You know what I mean? So in my definition of a sitcom, like that is the ABCs of it. So yeah, I'm, I'm all about every time when we go to the workplace, like expecting either the setup of the story for the, for the episode or whatever, or just straight up jokes, you know what I mean? From a group of funny people.
And in having two, two seasons of the show under your belt now and playing this character of Keenan for that many episodes, um, you know, it seems like that's, that's the longest that you've spent with an individual character, you know, since you were doing Keenan and Kel and all that when you were a kid, um, you know, what's, what's been kind of like the difference and the places that you feel like that's really taken you in terms of your work as an actor or new spaces that you feel like you've been stretched from the sitcom through the fact that you're playing the same character week to week to week, you know, against the, the adeptness that you have on SNL for jumping into multiple new characters every week. Yeah, it's like the constant questioning of am I doing enough? You know what I mean? Like, am I going deep enough with this moment? Am I doing it different enough? You know what I mean? Like, because a lot of the time my character is a little bit of a straight man kind of setting up, you know, what's going on unless I'm fully, you know, involved in the hijinks myself and spiraling out of control or whatever. But a lot of the time I'm kind of maestroing a little bit, you know, which is great. You know, I'm like, that's my thing. I'm like, let me introduce you to my very, very funny and talented friends, you know. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to be the least, you know, kind of uh, the least funny or interesting or, you know, whatever it is. Oh, there's a spider. Yeah. <laughs> I just knocked it. I didn't kill it. I just knocked it on the ground. <laughs> um, but you know, I just had to make sure that my character is not the, you know, the most boring one, basically, to to put it in layman's terms, you know, and make sure that I'm doing, you know, something different whenever that opportunity arises to kind of just push what we know about the character a little further or what I'm knowing about what this character wants to be, you know, and it's all guided in what I can get away with that's still funny, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah it's it's cool to be deep and or go like show a version of this character or whatever but it still has to be you know pushing past the comedic reactions from the Seinfeld years or the or the friends years or you know even you know the Jamie Foxes and you know I keep mentioning the the Martins of it all because those were the shows that I grew up loving and were kind of the staples of sitcoms but you know, Veep is like a whole nother level. You know what I mean? It's like the, the high level of like spending a whole lot of money is like a funny comedy, comedic movie almost every single week. Like ours is still like a half hour kind of short format or whatever. It just seems a little shorter and, and, and quippier. So to to like follow those guidelines, whatever I'm exploring and fishing for should still be funny, basically. I love that. And, and in jumping over into talking about SNL a bit, you know, I'm I'm so fascinated in terms of, of creating these characters and coming onto screen and sketches and the way that you approach contextualization for the audience, because you have such a finite amount of time in which to bring the character on screen for the audience to know who's the character that you're playing. You know, obviously when you're doing an impersonation, that's kind of already there, but you're playing so many characters that are, you know, just a, a creation of somebody's mind and in that instance we have to know who the character is what's their perspective what's their voice what's their place in the sketch all within the matter of seconds and so what's what's the adeptness that you feel that you've really found for yourself in how to create that contextualization for the audience in such a quick manner um setups and punchlines you know what I mean it's all in the setup like when I'm introducing a new character it helps when there's a bunch of characters in a scene already talking about that character that's about to enter. You know what I mean? That way, a lot of that work is done for you by the time you walk in the door. Like, I remember like recently when Che wrote that security guard that's very inappropriate or whatever, it's all in the setup. It's like, sorry, we had to fire these people, you know what I mean, for inappropriate comments. And it's like, oh, we're firing old man Charlie, that's terrible. And then he walks in and like continues to like 
you know, have a barrage of, you know, foul things that he says or whatever. But, you know, that's the tone that's been set before I even come through the door. Um, on the Keenan show, you know, I do a lot of that self setup usually, especially if I'm on the morning show or something and it's about a guest that's about to happen. I'm usually kind of, you know, hand holding the entire thing, kind of selfie sticking my my own setup and, and failures, basically. Um, and then, you know, other people will come in and try to help me out of it throughout the rest of the episode. And that's kind of what my character does, you know, like I either stumble upon the problem and try to help and make it worse or I self-cause the problem and try to help and make it worse. <laughs> you know, and, and similar to what you were talking about in regards to that supportiveness and, and that setup for other cast members on Keenan, with SNL, when you have a different host coming in week to week, you know, sometimes you have people who come from a comedy world, who come from an improv background, who've done sketch comedy. And then you also have people coming on where it's so far out of their depth and their comfort zone. And it's on you and the rest of the cast to really kind of make them feel comfortable and, and get them into like that space that they need to find by Saturday within the span of a week. And so what does that look like in terms of the dynamic, both behind the scenes, you know, even going into like table read and rehearsal, and then how even on the night you're kind of always trying to like help them find their footing and, and find their best self and you know if there is something that's a little trickier for them you know how can you support them a little bit more in that regard yeah I mean usually like everybody outside of athletes is is pretty professional about entertainment you know what I mean and they they've done some version of a play or some version of a thing that they've had to be professional for so we don't have to do a whole lot of triple checking as far as are they prepared to do their thing our thing is more a little bit of hand holding through the process because it is a whirlwind of a week <clears throat> excuse me it's a whirlwind of a week and it goes by really fast and people can get in their heads and and think that you know the rehearsal audience which is just our crew that's halfway paying attention because they're building and doing other stuff or whatever will kind of reflect what the real audience is going to do. And I'm like, that's not necessarily the case. Like, yeah, they'll laugh at certain things that they find funny and it's really super obvious, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the thing that doesn't get a laugh isn't funny. They might've just missed it or they weren't paying attention or whatever. So you can't necessarily put all your eggs in that basket, but that freaks people out because they're approaching Saturday and they feel like that they're doing material in front of an audience kind of, and it's not getting a response. So that's when we come in and it's like, don't worry about that. You know, this is how it's really going to go. Dress rehearsal is really going to be the litmus test that you should follow, basically. And, you know, like, just keep believing in yourself or listening to your instincts. If you don't think something is funny, like, talk to the writers and see if you have a better suggestion or whatever, or just cut it. But be honest with, you know, the process, basically. And also, Trust in the professionals, like the writers know what they're doing. If it made it past the table, then it's probably really funny and just commit to it. You know what I mean? And we're supposed to do our job and all lift this sketch together. It should never be on the host's shoulders. Like they're a guest and they're to be on our shoulders, basically. And when you step back and, and look at all of the different types of sketches that you're doing, there's so many different types and styles of performance that SNL asks of you as, as a performer. You okay. know, there's a real difference to doing Black Jeopardy, to doing a music video, to doing a segment on Weekend Update where you're coming in as a character and speaking directly to camera, directly to the audience. Um, you know, what's kind of the, the difference for you? Is, is it very much the same approach no matter the sketch or are there slight differences depending on the style of performance it needs from you in that regard? You know, because even doing a live sketch versus a pre-record that's another level of difference as well 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess for my only approach is to kill it. Like whatever words they want me to say, I should be saying it in a way that gets, you know, a reaction from people unless it's distracting, you know, and it's just supposed to be more of a just kind of a set the tone set up kind of a thing or whatever. But if it's a thing that I'm supposed to be getting a laugh at, I'm going for it, you know, and um, that's, you know, my approach, whether it's a pre-tape or it's it's live, it's it's pretty much the same. But when you're the host and you have to like sing in something or, you know, you're not you're not used to being that versatile all the time. That could be a very scary thing or it could be the thing that you love about SNL because you do get to come show off your versatility like an Ariana DeBose who can do anything. You know what I mean? And God, it was amazing watching her do that Sound of Music sketch that she did because she choreographed it her herself, you know, just in her own like working it out as an actor kind of thing down to the millisecond, everything that she was doing, every note she was hitting, it was incredible to witness. So, you know, that's the extreme version. And then the version that's in a, a super fish out of water situation, it's like, you know, do your best. We'll know whether or not to push certain areas or not, you know? Mm-hmm. And before you got cast on SNL, you know, you were kind of in this middle ground in your career where you'd started out as a young performer and you were in that space of, of kind of like trying to move past that and being, you know, too old to be the young performer parts and then like too young to be cast in a lot of the adult parts. And mm-hmm. so what what was that journey like for you? And, and what was it that you kind of learned from the experience of being in a space of trying to get the industry to see you in a particular way as a performer that you knew that you were ready for in terms of next steps, but the industry just taking a little bit of time to catch up to you? And, and what were the most you know useful tools in terms of getting people on board with starting to see you differently as a performer? I mean, I think SNL is that bridge and that, you know, diploma basically for, you know, adults to take me seriously. Like I felt like I'd been performing as an adult for adults long enough that I could handle it. But it took a show like that to to give me that guaranteed stamp. So until that point, when I left Nickelodeon, it was very sporadic. Like I did Felicity. I did Love Don't Cost a Thing and Barbershop 2 and stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of the times those jobs were few and far between. And it was just a lot of you know, back to the, you know, traditional life of an actor, you know, meetings, trying to get in front of casting agents, auditions, just back to the hustle, basically. And then once I got on SNL, you know, that kind of gave it the whole industry, like, oh, he's an adult now, you know, until that point, I was still like a kid actor trying to make the the transition and nobody knew if it was going to happen or not. And just stay off drugs, young man, you know what I mean? And you'll be fine type talk, basically. But I had the baby face, you know, and those are things that work for you, I guess, or they can work against you. And uh, they worked against me a little bit when I was first leaving. And then they worked for me when I did get the SNL job because I was the baby of the group. And, you know, they kind of little brothered me through the whole thing. And I had great siblings, you know, Tina and Maya and Amy and Rachel and, you know, my brothers like on the other side, like. I just I came into a brilliant cast of brilliant people that took comedy very, very seriously, you know, so generations later, now that we're like in the cast that we are now, I continue to still like set that sort of example and I don't have to set it much, you know what I mean, like our cast is amazing and they take comedy very, very seriously as well, but it's always nice to see someone I I would think that's still like trying to show up every time they're given an opportunity to do so. 
And, and part of the process of, of the show as well is obviously going through different rehearsals, going through table reads, you know, and then coming down to the live show. And even at the live show, you know, there's still being adjustments that are being made. So if you're in a sketch and, and you start out and something that worked really well at the table read, you know, maybe isn't landing with the audience in the same way, do you still kind of find yourself like creating a lot of those on the moment pivots and adjustments? Because even just changing the timing of how you deliver something can suddenly change how the audience is responding in the moment. A thousand percent. I mean, you try, you know, you definitely try your best, but some audiences, you know, sometimes they aren't in the mood, you know, it could be because of the weather or they had to wait too long or it's getting late. You know what I mean? You never really know what those factors will be. So you can kind of just do your best and have to let it go and just let it be what it is, you know, because we don't have a chance to do anything a second time. We don't have a chance to edit and tighten and re-pivot after it's already been, you know, done for that audience during the live show. Like dress rehearsal is kind of your last chance. And then you also don't want to throw too many wrenches at a host that hasn't done the show before because, you know, sometimes they won't know that, you know, a new line is there or it might throw them or something like that. And you don't want to take those kinds of chances a lot of the time. But if you do find a better joke and you really want to take that swing, then, yeah, you have to let every department know, you know what I mean, and be on top of your job and make sure that the host knows it's coming, where it's coming, what it should be, you know, like performance wise and blah, blah, blah. So they do nail it. You know what I mean? And they don't just like soft pitch it because there's nothing worse than adding a joke and going through all of that. And it still like lands kind of softly, but you know, that, that, that's kind of the hurricane of, of that place. There's, there's lots of different, you know, uh, things that you have to do past having a better idea. And one of the people that I adore from the SNL family is cue card Wally, who does all of the cue cards that that's for yeah. the cast and for the host. And, you know, when you first came onto that show, was that the first time that you'd had to work with, you know, large handwritten cue cards in that particular way? And, and what was that dynamic of, of really kind of like learning to feed off of them and, and work with him in that dynamic? Yeah, it wasn't the first time I've seen cue cards, but it was definitely the most cute, the most professional cue card. Uh, kind of situation I'd ever seen the the rhythm that they do and how they hold the bottom of the card or they hold the card that you're reading on top of the one that's coming next so you 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 don't have to wait till the end of the card to see what's coming you can just kind of continue flow through or whatever if your line spills over to the next page or whatever once I saw that and then I saw the four camera system like you know on Saturday like when we're rehearsing it's only one set but on Saturday it's four sets so everywhere you look, everywhere you look, you're supported. I was like, wow, that makes me very, very much at ease, you know, because like memorization on a weekly basis can start to become a task, especially with sketch that goes in so many different directions. It's hard to grasp at any given moment, like what this might be in reference to if you're not paying attention, because it can be in reference to whatever, you know what I'm saying? So Having that like anchor right there and, and, you know, him being such an amazing person, you know, it just it's one of the, the better safety nets I've ever seen. And obviously, when you first stepped into the world of SNL, when you were first cast on the show, there's a lot of aspects that create a lot of nerves in a situation like that, which you've mentioned before. But I also love that you talk about the fact that the nerves are still a part of it for you, um, you know, and how it's really something that if you don't feel the nerves, it means that you don't care. It's like because you care so much, because you want to do such a good job that you feel those nerves before every single week, before every single sketch. But what's that that difference in terms of the relationship that you have with those feelings of nerves? Because obviously, at this 
point, they're probably very different to what they were when you first set foot and, you know, still continue to grow and evolve and change for you. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the situation, you know, like, yeah, you feel it because this, the show is starting. So that's more excitement. You know what I mean? Like I have a, you know, a, a responsibility to sing the warm up. you know what I mean? So I'm always like, all right, you know, I'm about to go force this karaoke down these people's throats. I hope they like it. <laughs> that's why I have those like similar kind of, you know, semi anxious feelings. Um, but then, you know, as far as like, if I have a whole lot of responsibility and sketch that's coming up, then that will be my focus because I got to get it right. You know what I mean? And the, the writers deserve that. The show deserves that. I deserve that. You deserve that as an audience, you know? So there's a lot riding on doing things right. And, you know, that will, yeah, that will tense you up and like, have you like pacing around in your room, running lines and stuff like that, because, it's different when you're shooting a movie, like, because you can blow the take and be like, all right, let's start over. And yeah, you feel the pressures of everybody getting tired or looking at you funny for blowing takes or whatever, but it's not the end all be all. And it's very end all be all on SNL stuttering. No good. You know what I mean? Missing words. No good. Missing lines. No good. All those things, you know, are chips away at something that could have gone perfectly and nothing ever really does, but that's always the goal, you know, because, when you tell a joke, you have to tell it right, you know, and that's what a sketch is. You're telling this long three or four or five minute kind of joke experience, basically. And you want to get everything right. And as a professional, we're supposed to have run our lines to not, you know, mess it up, basically. And that's that's our job. And you hope everybody else is doing their job. And if that happens, then great. And if little things happen or whatever, then you kind of have to let it go because it is live. But that's what also makes the show special. Yeah. Well, I, of course, always love the work that you do on SNL and equally really enjoyed the second season of Keenan. So thank you so much for talking about both of these wonderful projects with us. Thank you so much, man. It was such a wonderful conversation. Very in-depth. You're very, very researched there.